Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out www.nhte.net. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to be on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from New York, my guest is a songwriter, producer, and musician whose debut full-length album was released in February after having previously released three EPs. The music video for the title track from his newest release got over one million views on Facebook, and the new album was mixed and mastered by some of the biggest names in the business. Plus, there's an amazing story of having had to overcome adversity during the mixing process that we'll hear. Each of his three EPs had made news either on the iTunes chart or awards-wise. You've been hearing a song of his entitled Future. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment, Jerry Jean. Hey, Bruce. How's it going? Good, Jerry. Thanks very much for making time to do this today. Not a problem. I'm already preparing myself for some really interesting stories from you today. So let's start with having you talk about the song that we were just playing, Future. All right, Future. Yeah, so that was the song that I wrote back in 2015. And like pretty much all the songs that I write, I lock myself into my home studio and I write there where I can just really concentrate. And... I found myself, you know, around that time, spending way too much time looking on my phone and scrolling through news mm. and just stuck on technology. And this song was really a, a response to that. Um, <clears throat> you know, trying to get back to, you know, going outside and not being so immersed in looking at screens. And you know, the song's like a warning, you know, of. You know, if we are too immersed in technology, will we will we lose a part of ourselves as we go forward? Is is there some irony though in the fact that nowadays songwriters do rely on their phones so much to speak a song idea into some lyrics, a melody, or for certain apps that they might use? For do you see do you see where I'm going with that? I know, I, <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, it's 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 a necessary evil. I mean, I use my phone all the time to to take down ideas, um, you know, correspond, uh, even to to record in the field. So <clears throat> I do think that it is important to to get your eyes off of it. And you know there's something to be said about just looking out into the distance and letting your brain be at ease because I think looking at something, one foot away from your face all the time. It's, it can't be good for the brain. No, probably not. So I wonder when you do these songwriting sessions that, that you've done a good job of, of painting a picture in my head of, yeah. do you leave your phone outside the room where you're going in to write so that you can just focus on songwriting? Or is it, you know, well, it's in the room, Bruce, but I'm, my point is that I'm not looking at it. 
Well, here's the thing. It's like sometimes I do try to leave it out of the room because there's a temptation to pick it up for kind of the instant gratification, you know, look at what's Mm. going on on the socials and things that would just pull you away from, from deep thought. But at the same time, I do use the internet while I'm writing to, to look up rhymes or to do some research. So if it's not with the phone, I will, I will use my, my computer, which is set up there. Um, so I guess, yeah, leaving the phone out does remove uh, one distraction. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough line to walk. It sounds like, you know, it's a catch 22. Yeah, so it's um, all about developing impulse control, I guess. Indeed. Uh, I know it has been out for five months now, but but congratulations nonetheless on the new album. I'm, I'm, oh, thanks so much. I'm, I'm specifically using the word album because in addition to the obvious digital distribution, listeners, yeah. Jerry also chose to release Do We Reach Home on vinyl. So Jerry, take us through what your thought process was in deciding to make it available in, in that format also. The main reason I decided to make something, you know, really physical on vinyl, beyond CD, was I guess there's this probably irrational fear of mine that that digital may one day, I don't know, you know, these all these servers out there may crash and everything out on YouTube may disappear. Um, I, I just wanted to have something in analog physical form in addition to everything served, you know, saved on the servers. Um, <clears throat> besides that, it's also just so much fun, you know, to play music where you can actually flip a disc, hold it, smell it. And it's, it's more like an event, you know, it's not like I'm turning my laptop on and having background <laughs> music while I'm doing my dishes. You know, it's, I'm taking a, and, and a listener and a lot of these listeners are teenagers, you know, they can take a record out and put it on their turntable and listen to an album front to back. And not do other things. Just listen to it like they would watch a movie, you know, not not multitasking. So I wanted to make something where people could have that experience as well. Yeah, I like it. And, you know, I guess we've we've lost touch with the, the idea of you being Jerry Jean, the artist that, that has released this album and people saying, cool, let me see it. Where is it? And you go, well, it's uh, I don't know. It just It's just <laughs> out there. Well, what do you mean it's out there? Let me see it. Let me see your album. Well, I go on. I, you know, it's so that's, I mean, I, I liked your answer because that's not what I was expecting. I thought you were going to say, well, Bruce, you know, as we all know, you know, vinyl is, is starting to make a little bit of a comeback. And, mm-hmm. uh, so that, that's pretty neat. You know, the idea of, Hey, it's crazy as it sounds. What if one day digital goes away? Yeah. Yeah. It's something, you know, it, it, it's secure to know that, you know, there'll be hundreds of these vinyls seated around the world, you know, somewhere. Indeed. And and so. for the for the for the real techies, the hardcore techies that are out there listening that, that will understand sure. the weight of this, part pardon the pun. But go ahead mm-hmm. and tell them what about the pressing of of the vinyl albums. Oh sure. So the vi- the the vinyl album is one hundred eighty grams. So that's heavier weight than your standard LP. And you know, there are arguments whether or not that makes it sound better or not. Usually people say it does. Um, I just think it, you know, it may, but I think it feels a lot better in the hand and it it's less prone to warp over time. And, you know, when things are heavier, they just feel more deluxe and just more satisfying. So I just wanted to go that extra, extra bit for that. And, and it spins at 45 RPM for <clears throat> optimal playback? That's right, right. So most, most LPs that you find are That's at 33. 33, yeah. Exactly. And the reason why I chose 45 was because um, 
45s, which were originally developed mainly for singles, um, that faster speed um, is better for sound quality. It's, be- it's better playback, but um, you don't have as much groove space or, or, or as much playing time on a 45 as you do on a 33. Um, but I got around this by splitting the album onto two discs. So that gave me plenty of groove space and I could use the faster 45 RPM. So just basically optimize the sound. Fascinating. And, and you're so well-versed in this. I, As you were starting the answer, as you were starting yeah. the answer, I thought, okay, I'm going to ask him, you know, come on, do, do you really know all this stuff or did somebody convince you this is the reason why you want to press it on this and this is the reason why, <laughs> but but you know this stuff. You you have me convinced. You know this I'm, stuff. I'm, I'm somebody weird. didn't talk I, you I, into it. I did it. too much research. <laughs> but you know, like... Um, I had to be educated on all this stuff because I didn't grow up with vinyl. You know, I grew up in the YouTube age. You know, I, I, I'm, in the, I'm, in, I'm a digital person. But um, Scott Hull, who is a, a vinyl, um, you know, expert, he, you know, we, we had some long conversations, and he, he definitely, um, kind of brought me up to speed on on all the technical stuff. And he's the guy who actually cut the the vinyl lacquers. Well, I always hate asking a guest that I have on who has just released a new album or EP or whatever the case is about their next yeah. project because it's kind of like, gee, Bruce, thanks. You know, just put this out. You're already <laughs> putting me back to work on my next one. Let this thing breathe right. a little. But but so this experience that you had, I mean, is it a foregone conclusion that that whatever and whenever your next release is, it will be on vinyl also? Well, we shall see. The thing is vinyl is, is, is so expensive to make if you want to make it correctly. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of companies out there that say, oh, give me a thousand bucks and I'll press you a hundred copies. But usually you're not going to get the best quality mm. and you probably don't know who's cutting the lacquers. You don't really have any oversight into the the quality control. Um, <clears throat> the way that, that I did mine, um, you know, specifically mastered for vinyl, um, it was uh, cut in... New York at Master Disc, and then it was electroplated in California, and then it was um, pressed at Gotta Groove Records. This is a great plant out in Ohio. There's all these different steps involved, mm. and each of those players, um, you know, I did research and wanted to make sure that it was, you know, somebody that I trusted um, instead of just doing a one stop, you know, all all in one place. Um, <clears throat> so you know the the, the costs. Are high and to do good vinyl, 180 gram, um, spread things out so that you have enough groove space into a double LP if necessary. That's that that will double your costs. So it all depends on you know what the, if the next project is is going to be okay. Um, okay. similar length or not. Yeah. Well, for for the listeners right now who are hearing you talk about this and her, and are saying I'm interested in this, I'm I'm a musician myself and I am intrigued. By, by vinyl making a bit of a comeback, um, how can they, short of, short of contacting you, <laughs> how, how can they know how to take, how to dip their toe into the water of recording on vinyl so that they don't get taken by, by what you just said? The, the people that say, oh, I'll do it for you for this, and, and it'll only be, and, sure, and all sure. of a sudden you go, oh, well, you actually got taken. How can they know? I think it's um, important to meet somebody who knows a lot about vinyl, who actually makes it, and get them on your side and, and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll have all the connections and you know know all the steps along the way to guide you because 99% of musicians today 
uh, don't know what that's all about. It's all it's all new to them. The old mm. is all new. Wow. Well, I see on your social media that some record shops up there in New York, where you are, are, are carrying the vinyl yeah. album. How, how did you get Definitely. it into those stores? Oh, you know what, what really helps is that the album was mastered by a legendary master engineer, engineer Bob Ludwig. So when I called the vinyl buyers, um, I basically cold called the stores and asked to speak to the vinyl buyers. And you know, I talked about my album and who, who was involved in making it. Um, they were very interested in it, and they wow. bought copies. So, wow. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to steal your thunder. So, so go ahead and tell the <clears> listeners <throat> who the big names are, because back in the intro, I, I only alluded to them in terms of their their title uh, that they did the mixing and mastering. So, so tell the listeners uh, who those big names are, what their credentials are, and 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 even how you got connected with each of them. Sure. So, the mixer on the record's name is Brian Cook. And he's got some great credits, like engineering credits, um, you know, as big as Radiohead and mixing credits from One Republic to um, Train and a lot of indie artists. Um, I actually found him online by um, looking up who mixed this record that I loved. Um, it was called The Cold and the Lovely. It's an indie rock record, hmm. and I, I just like I, I love the way it sounded. And I and I just was googling around, and I said, "Oh, Brian Cooks." I hadn't heard of him before, and I found his website and I reached out to him, <clears throat> um, hmm. and asked and asked him to mix uh, a track from a previous EP. And so we built a relationship from that. Hmm. Um, in terms of mastering, you know, Bob Ludwig. Uh, I mean, he's just a legend. Uh, like Eleven Grammy Awards and. Hmm. You know, the first CDs I ever had, almost all of them were mastered by Bob Ludwig. I, I remember seeing his name in the liner notes. And <clears throat> working with him was just a simple matter of um, contacting Gateway Mastering, where he works in Maine, and, and, um, and you know, hiring him on the project. It definitely required saving coins for a long time because he's no uh, – <laughs> it's, 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 it's not cheap, but definitely worth it. But I'm fascinated that in both cases, in in you know, straighten me out, Jerry, if, if I'm out of line sure. the way I'm going to phrase this. Yeah. But I'm fascinated that in both cases, it was as easy as uh, I just contacted him, Bruce. That's how I got to work with him. I know there was somebody else, and I'm and I listeners, those of you who are with me every week, thank you. And and you know, I pride myself <coughs> on that bizarre mental rolodex of all the past episodes and go listen to this one for this reason. I know there was somebody yeah. that talked about that, you know, find people whose work you admire and then just kind of do some, some research on the internet and track them down and see if they'll work with you. But the fact that you just made it sound so easy, like, well, I, you know, heard a song that he did that I liked his work and I contacted him and we worked together. That's, I don't know. Do you, do you see Jerry? Why, why from my side of the microphone that, that sounds like really a guy that big that's worked with, names that big he was that sure. easy to contact and say yeah okay jerry i'll work with you yeah you know i imagine that you know you know people at the upper echelons you know most of them are not going to take on every project but right. so part of it part of it is luck like like do you fit into the schedule um mm. like for for example with bob uh his schedule was very busy around the time that i was going to do the album um so there wasn't time for me to actually fly into Maine and and do an attended session. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but there was time for uh, what they call an unintended, um, like remote mastering. So, you know, he does still spend the whole day uh, mastering your record, but um, 
he doesn't have to basically entertain a guest so mm. he can work work faster. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I agreed to do an unintended session, um, which is I think probably better anyway because I'm not used to his speakers and you know it wouldn't be you know right of me to go in there and mess up his flow and just be in a different environment just so I could you know, say that I was at his studio and be <laughs> in all of all his plaques. <laughs> but I mean, the bottom line is like, if you, if, if you call somebody, um, <clears throat> and it works out schedule wise, um, you know, don't be intimidated. Well, and, 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 you know, let's not kid ourselves. If, if you go to an attended session alongside an 11 time Grammy winner, there's nothing that you can contribute to the conversation. <laughs> sitting there watching, them. You know, that, that's like sitting next to, to Leonardo da Vinci and saying, Hey, let me make a suggestion on this next brush stroke. You know, he looks at you and is like, really, really? Okay. Here, here, you, you, you take, you take, is your name Picasso? I didn't think so. Let me finish this. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Um, but, but so forgive me because I am someone who's exceptionally like, like almost annoyingly detail oriented with, with, uh, with, I guess with both, but was it a phone call or was it an email? Because the other thing is why I'm so, why I'm so blown away by this is I have to imagine that there are 99 other emails in one day that they get from 99 other Jerry jeans who say, I'd love to work with you because, and, and somehow yours resonated. So was it a phone call or was it an email? It was both. I mean, um, actually, uh, uh, initially it was a phone call to the, to the office just to, you know, see if they're, you know, taking on projects and you know what the timeline is. Uh, then, a, and, um, I believe the woman's name was Rachel who picked up the phone. Um, and she said, "Yeah, I mean, there, his next avail was in uh, several months away, but he was, um, you know, taking on projects." And then I emailed with some details to get a quote. Um, and then there was some more um, back and forth to solidify dates. And to be honest, it it was it was very easy. Um, huh. And with with Brian, um, the same thing. It was just a uh, email and then taking it from there. Well, last question and I promise I'll let it go and we'll move on to something sure. else. But at any point with one or both <laughs> okay. of them, was it, well, let me hear a sample of your music first. So I know what kind of stuff you do, uh, Jerry, before I decide if I want to work with you or not. Well, you know, I'm, I'm very present online, so I'm sure most people would just, most people uh, will Google the okay. potential client and okay. see, you know, what's there. Okay. I mean, if what, if what's there is, um, you know, not very good, you know, uh, you know, people will tend to say something polite yeah. and say that their schedule is full. You yeah. know, so it's, it's it's very easy, and I get that myself too. When some people want to call and and work with me for me to produce produce their project, if I Google their name and it's just clearly not a fit, then I'm not going to take on the project. Yeah, sure, okay. I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from New York is songwriter, producer, and musician Jerry Jean. Visit his official website at www.jerryjean.com. For the proper spelling of his first and last name, you can just look at the title of this episode on your listening device, so you can then go to jerryjean.com. Once you're there, you'll see links to order his new album on vinyl, CD, or digitally. Plus, there are icons there for his various social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also find his music streaming on SoundCloud, which is one of the platforms that the show is available on. And his music is streaming on Spotify as well. 
Jerry's music can also be purchased from online retailers such as iTunes and Amazon. And yes, you know that I'm now going to tell you that if you're going to go to Amazon, please start at nhte.net and click on the tall Amazon banner to get there. It will open up your Amazon app if that's how you prefer to get to Amazon. Please do consider a contribution to this show. We have a campaign at patreon.com slash nhte. If you're not familiar with Patreon, this is something that's ongoing. It's not a 30-day crowdfunding campaign. So we'd appreciate it. There are some nice thank you rewards at patreon.com slash nhte. You can also go to nhte.net and there's a Patreon button there. It is alongside the button to join our Facebook group, which is called NHTE Listeners, if you would rather just search for it on Facebook. If you want to send in any kind of notes, comments, questions, anything about the show, the email to write to is podcast at nhte.net. Remember that you can listen to the show at nhte.net. There's also an e-newsletter you can sign up for there. However, we have icons at nhte.net. If you want to go get the show from iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, or TuneIn Radio instead, that way you can take it with you on the go instead of sitting in front of your computer. Please do subscribe and tell a friend. And lastly, our social media, there are icons for all of these at that website as well, are Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Jerry, what about the, the great success that the video for the title track from your new album has had 1 million views on Facebook alone. I mentioned back in the intro, I, I should mention that it has gotten close to 75,000 views on YouTube, but it sounds like you must have made a concerted effort to try to maximize the reach on Facebook, though. Is is, is that the case? And, and if so, why? Me, meaning instead of YouTube? Yeah, I think um, well, I think both are important, but Facebook, is, it's just so much more viral these days. Um, and there's a lot of videos where... Facebook will have almost 10 times more views than the YouTube version of the identical video. And I think that's because everyone is plugged into their phones and they're opening up Facebook as the first app. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, I, I, um, I had been building up um, a following in Asia for a long time, um, about five years. And when I put out the video, what I did was I pushed it out to my Asian fan base um, pretty hard. And I, I really wanted to to make an impression quickly. So I think I hit a million in about uh, two to three months after mm. I put it out. Outstanding. And at, at, that, at that point, I think on YouTube, it had only reached, I don't know, 40,000 or something like that. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. But you also have to um, realize that Facebook will often count a view if somebody just watches it for um, a few seconds and the volume may not even be on. So mm. I don't think YouTube does that. Um, or oh, I see. At, I see. at least most people aren't, they don't have YouTube on as their first app and they're not scrolling through it. True. So I think, um, you, know, it, you know, a million views is great. But you, you need to be a little bit wary when you see you know all these videos that have millions of views now, because a lot of times the um, you know all those views where people are scrolling through and the video plays for a few seconds, you know those count. So you know I, I definitely realize that. Um, but I do look at some deeper analytics and I see that the video was shared you know over a thousand times. There's you know thousands of likes, so it does have a lot of engagement. So you know it it is it has been 
no doubt more viral on Facebook than excellent, YouTube. Excellent, excellent, yeah, yeah, excellent, excellent points. And 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 let's not also forget the other way that sometimes if you see a video on YouTube that you scratch your head and you go, "Wow, really? This video has six hundred thirty-four thousand views." Yeah. And, and like you said, you look for the likes, the, the the comments and stuff like that. That's when you start to scratch your head and say, wait a minute, did, did this person buy likes? Um, you know, exactly. It's, I, yeah. So I, I, I'm 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 really enjoying this this perspective that, that you're giving on it. And uh, Jerry, for your benefit and, and listeners, bear with me for a minute. So, Jerry, what we do a lot in this show is we do try to talk with the guests to the listeners who themselves are up-and-coming performers. So yeah. I, I realize that I'm sort of putting you on the spot here. Please don't feel obligated if you don't want to answer this. It, it sure. sounded to me as though maybe when you said you were targeting the Asian viewers, I thought, yeah. okay, he must mean that he uh, you know, boosted the post or did a, or did a paid ad or, or whatever the proper Facebook terminology is. Um, if you're not comfortable getting into that, we'll move on. But but if so, for the benefit of those listeners who are up-and-coming musicians that say, gosh, I never considered that. Maybe I should be doing more with video on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. Was that the case? Do you, do you not want to go there and we'll move on? What, what well, are no, your that's thoughts? To- that's that's to- totally fine. Yeah, definitely I boosted the post. Um, and Facebook's algorithm these days, you know, if you don't boost, it's not going to show it to anybody. I mean, if you yeah, have, true. say, a, yeah, good if you have like a, th- a thousand Facebook fans um, and you don't boost your post, it might show it to, I don't know, maybe a hundred of them. Mm, yeah, at best. Max. <laughs> max. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Facebook is making so much money. So I definitely boosted the post. Um, but that's not the only thing that that's that, that was important. Sure. Um, definitely shared it around in groups yeah. um, manually. I had a newsletter, um, email list. Um, that I've been building up for for many years, um, and uh, it, Twitter as well. I used that, so all the socials were kind of pointing to one place. Um, yeah, not to <clears> mention <throat> the organic that that you mentioned before, where other people themselves were sharing it. You know, cert- certainly helped. Exactly. So there, there, there were you know over a thousand shares, um, wow. and and you what you want to do is if somebody shares your video. Um, it doesn't take much out of your time, out of your day to, to write them a little comment, say, thanks for sharing or, or like their share, you know, mm-hmm. to acknowledge that they've helped you. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I definitely did that, um, uh, prior to the release, um, I tried to get, uh, the video out to, uh, blogs, um, uh. and you know, that helped as well. Uh, what? so it's, it's a combination of, a. Uh, five, six different sources. Sure, sure. And and yeah. whether you're an up and coming musician or you're just a fan or or just a listener of this show, you, yeah. you, you will all love you will all love hearing Jerry. It, it's worth noting that the the video was done entirely in one take. Yeah, it was shot it was shot, shot in one take. Um, wow. And that that was the, that was the concept that the director of the video, uh, Andres, had. Um, he wanted to do something really simple and elegant. And, you know, there's something really honest about a one take video. Um, and, you know, it's ambitious. But what we did was uh, we actually took about we did about we, we did it about five times and it was take take four. So that take take four was the was a single take that was from beginning to end 
good. Uh, I and, see. I see. Yeah. So there are no 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 tricky edits or splicing or you know, none of that. You know. Yeah. But but so in other words, you and the girl, uh, the dancer, yep. the two of you went into it basically with the understanding that okay, look, we're trying to do this whole thing in one take. So you know, please don't feel that much wiggle room in terms of saying, uh, can we do this over? Cause we're really trying. <laughs> Am I correct? That's, that's right. And we, we rehearsed beforehand for sure because, ah. um, we, we only had a limited time in the, in the space. So, um, I think having those type of deadlines and, and pressure is good. It, it puts you in focus mode. So we rehearsed, uh, two times before okay. to, to get the dance and the kind of the camera choreography down and um the guy who operated the steady cam uh he hadn't seen anything um uh, until the day of the shoot so mm. we we had to catch him up to speed um but yeah the, the video is essentially a dance between uh, the steady cam operator and the dancer and myself <laughs> <laughs> well and shame on me for not considering rehearsal because i was thinking to myself gosh that's a lot of pressure how how nervous might Jerry have been and how might ner- how, how nervous might the girl have been, you know, with the dancing. But, but yeah, I mean, duh, uh, you know, you rehearsed it and it's like, okay, we, we, we got this. Yeah. I mean, um, it, it, it's, it's a one take video, but that means the video that the, sh- the take that we use was shot in one take, but you know, there's so much stuff that goes, you know, before beforehand to, to make it successful. And, um, you know, most of the work was done, you know, days prior. Yeah. And, uh, Shame on me! I, I keep referring to her as the girl. <laughs> give, give her, give her some, give her a shout out. And uh, and did you know her, or or was that just a a, a casting situation? Oh, actually, um, you know, she she actually used to take voice lessons with me. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. She's a she's a fantastic modern dancer, and um, uh, a few years ago, she wanted to branch out and you know, just, just learn how to, how to, how to sing. And, um, and she found me online and, um, I do do some vocal coaching and, and she took a bunch of lessons with me, but I, I, I know that she was just a solid dancer. And even after she stopped taking lessons, I, I kind of followed her on, on social media. Uh, and her, and na- her name is Chloe Noel Craig. Okay. Yeah. And she was actually just booked, um, a, a film, a national geographic film, called movement that's really beautiful mm. and that's that's also received over a million views um that's on the national geographic facebook page okay now it's time for bruce's bonus this is a segment here on now hear this entertainment where i take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of now hear this incorporated giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians singers songwriters entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it today's bonus is It is easy to be exposed as automating your direct message responses on Twitter. Instead of a person's name, now hear this is what is displayed on the Twitter account that this show falls under. So when a direct message comes back saying, thanks for following me now, it's obvious to me that it wasn't written and initiated by that user. And by leaving out any personalization or human touch, it makes me feel like that person isn't sincere in their thanks and that they're just trying to pile up followers. Be careful, you could turn someone off because instead of attempting to form a connection, you put the priority on taking a shortcut. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. How about that? Helpful? 
There are a whole bunch of tips just like that over all the prior episodes of this show. To make it easy for the listeners out there who are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers to get the tips in one concise format, there is a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3 for purchase in ebook format, giving you all the tips from episodes 1 to 40, 41 to 80, and 81 to 120, respectively. Just go to www.brucesbonusbook.com for online ordering and instant delivery. Let's start going backwards here because I want to touch on each of your EPs and the successes sure. that I mentioned back in the intro. Plus, I want to eventually get all the way back to the beginning, meaning your birthplace and your upbringing. So, right. so first, we're going to work backwards. Your third EP, Far Away, had a track yeah. that was a 2016 Global Peace Song Awards finalist. Tell the yeah. listeners about that. Sure. So that song's called Enough, and it was written um, in response to the the Black Lives Matters movement. I mean, when I was writing that song, they were the the media was just ablaze with you know all the all the shootings that were happening. Um, my collaborator Paul Bobron, who's who's um, one of Haiti's rising stars, um, sings on the track with me. And we wanted to create an anthem, um, of, you know, to, to champion peace. And um, you now, speaking of peace, there is this songwriting competition called the Global Peace Song Awards. And I, you know, t- put my hand in there, you know, tossed the song in, and um, it was an online competition. And we received word that we were finalists, which was great. And the video was put on YouTube. It's got, it's got over 30,000 views and, um, you know, continues to accrue spins there and on Spotify. So it's, you know, something we're, we're really proud of. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, next, the title track from your second EP entitled mm-hmm. Your Love was a yep. 2014 international songwriting competition winner chosen from mm-hmm. a field of, wow, more than 18,000 entries. Yeah. Yeah, so that EP was comprised of songs that I wrote, um, sung by all female singers. And the title track, Your Love, um, was, uh, like you said, an international songwriting competition winner, um, 2014. So that competition is something that I've known about for many, many years, and I've, you know, I follow. There, there are a couple of reputable ones, um, that the John Legend songwriting competition, um, and then there's a there's a whole slew of other ones that I don't even bother with because I think they're just trying to grab money. They're just trying to take <laughs> young songwriters' application fees. Mm. Um, but this one is a reputable one, and you know past winners. Um, you know there are a lot of famous past winners in this competition. So um, the song that won, "Your Love," was sung by a fantastic vocalist named Corbin Reed, who actually had a lot of success on Broadway um, prior to moving to Los Angeles. So she was in. Um, American Idiot. She did the the Rent revival, and now she's doing films. She was in the Blair Witch Project um, remake, and doing a lot of television out there. Um, but I, I was lucky enough to catch her in New York and record that song before she made the trip out to L.A. Uh, nice. I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from New York is songwriter, producer, and musician Jerry Jean. We interrupt this bumper, this reset, uh, to ask you, Jerry, I'm saying musician, but you're a multi-instrumentalist. Before I continue with all the plugs for your website and stuff, uh, tell the listeners what, what instruments you play. 
my main instrument is piano. Um, I consider the voice an instrument for sure. sure. Um, I play violin. Um, I play some drums, and I can also consider the laptop an instrument. I do so much, <laughs> so much stuff with the laptop. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what's funny is you know I play all these instruments, and I spend most of my time um, playing the piano and and singing. But you know, some of my big credits are from playing violin, which is something that I just you know played a lot when I was a kid. Um, didn't go to school for it or anything. I uh, just took a lot of private lessons as a child. Um, but then later in life, um, I was lucky enough to play on Florence and the Machines album, play strings for that, and play backing strings for um, some big name acts over the years like Boys to Men. Um, and this is all on violin, which is hmm. which, which is kind of funny to me because <laughs> I don't consider myself a violinist. <laughs> But uh, yeah, those those are the the, the main instruments okay. I play. Uh, listeners, do you like this me me hijacking my own? This is like uh, two weeks ago when I was talking to Cat uh, Ridgeway, uh, singer songwriter. Uh, we we met over in Orlando and did the interview on location. Um, listen to that interview here. <clears throat> excuse me, where I did the same thing and kind of hijacked it. But I'm glad I did because um, in mentioning the the laptop as an instrument, it reminds me episode 162 with Jordan Rudis. He's the keyboard player from Dream Theater. We were interviewing him on location also, coincidentally. That was out in California in January at the NAMM show at the Tascam booth. And he had just done a demo of GeoShred, uh, which is uh, an app. He was he was playing the tablet, <laughs> if you will. Uh, but in any event, uh, right now it's Jerry Jean. Visit his official website at jerryjean.com. As I mentioned before, just look at the title of this episode on your listening device to get the proper spelling of his first and last name. So you can go to jerryjean.com. And then once you are on his website, you will see links to order his new album on vinyl, CD, or digitally. Plus, there are icons there for his various social media. Jerry is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also find his music streaming on SoundCloud, which hopefully you all know by now is one of the platforms that the show is available on. Jerry's music is streaming on Spotify, too. He, and I understand why, I encourage you, we we really prefer that you buy guests' music from their website uh, when they have it available there, as Jerry does. Um, but if you're just really, really insistent upon it, yes, his music is available on iTunes and Amazon. And yes, you will go to Amazon through nhte.net, please, so that they will kick back a few pennies from my piggy bank, as I've taken to saying over the last several weeks of this episode, uh, do consider a direct contribution to the show by going to patreon.com slash NHTE and know that I am superior, supremely grateful for your consideration of a donation. Facebook group, go on in there and talk with other musicians, talk with other listeners, uh, topics of the day. Sometimes we talk about the blog that I wrote uh, that past Monday or whatever Monday. Write into the show at podcast at NHTE.net and do not feel compelled to be chained to your laptop or whatever your computer is these days, you can take the show with you via iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, or TuneIn Radio. Do subscribe and tell a friend, and please engage with us on social media, just like you will with Jerry, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. So Jerry, just to round out the trio, your first EP, this is so mm -hmm. cool, Jerry, his, his first EP had charted on iTunes the day of the release, which temporarily eclipsed major label artists. So two questions here, Jerry. Sure, how, did yeah. you, how did you do that? And, mm -hmm. and then having that kind of success, 
why didn't you stick with that formula going forward rather mm-hmm. than starting to work with others? I'm, I'm referring to the fact that you wrote every note, you played every instrument, you produced and mm-hmm. mixed each track. Okay, cool. So the first part of the question, um, how did I chart? Basically, it was like ninja guerrilla marketing. <laughs> I just I just told everybody to buy my album on the day that it comes out. Simple as it. that. I love it. And and it was a it's an EP, so it's, it's you know five dollars. Uh, okay. You know, if I had done the same thing with something that was say twelve or fifteen dollars, you wouldn't I wouldn't have had uh, nearly as many buys, but. You know, five dollars is is nothing, and and that was that was 2012. So this was before Spotify had gotten just crazy popular uh, and eclipsed okay. iTunes and all that. So people were still very used to buying on iTunes. So um, you know, <clears throat> this 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 just uh, was a matter of me using my 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 email list, and then also um, in you know individually messaging people, reminding them, um, and it's not just everyone, but just people that I thought actually would buy. Um, and saying, Hey, um, if you're going to get it, get it on this day Yeah, and help a brother, uh, help a brother out. And you know, it was, it was crazy. I still remember, I still remember that day because I was basically up for 24 hours straight, just Mm. telling people, you know, if you're going to get it, (laughs) get it on this day. So it actually remained on the charts for uh, two, three days. Um, and, um, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was great. And, um, I didn't uh, uh, do that same strategy uh, going forward because uh, iTunes is just not. Well, you know, no, I, I meant I meant going <clears throat> forward. Why why did you decide? So on the on that first EP, oh sure sure, yeah, yep. you wrote you wrote every note, you played every instrument, you produced and mixed yep. each track, and and then that was not the case for EP two, EP three, and and now this album. So so why why the change? It's lonely to do everything yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's lonely. I, I mean, but in, in, but also in all seriousness, it's very hard to be objective when you're doing mm. everything yourself. Okay. And let's be honest. Um, there are people who have put ten thousand hours into just mixing, ten thousand hours into just mastering, ten thousand hours into just you know this or that. Mm. Uh, with my first EP, um, I sang everything, wrote everything, played all the instruments. And mix the whole thing myself, um, and I'm really proud of it. I mean, it's a labor of love, but um, I think you can get better results if you assemble a group of specialists. And I wanted to try that with my second EP. So I didn't sing on any of the songs. Um, I but but to be honest, it was still pretty vertically integrated because I did produce all the tracks and, and play on all the tracks. Um, <clears throat> And mixed it myself. I even mastered that one myself. So, so that one was um, was still quite vertically integrated. Although I started um, using more musicians, um, mm. so there were live strings that I, I did not use in the first EP. And then as I got to the third EP, um, I outsourced for mixing on that as well as mastering. And there were even more outside musicians. And then for my debut album, you know, it was. No holds barred. I still, I yeah, yeah. I mean, there there were just so many more musicians on on, on Do We Reach Home. Just a tons of chamber musicians. I, I often felt like I was um, I was a coordinator, you know, just mm. uh, just get getting all this together. Um, but you know, it's it's necessary because yeah, even though I play violin, um, it's much more efficient if I produce a session and have uh, other violinists do it instead of just overdubbing myself. 
Gotcha. Over sure. and over. And, and, and again, with my first point that it's lonely doing everything yourself, um, I said it kind of facetiously, but it is true. Sure, I sure. mean, music is collaborative. And, you know, when I have people over, we're, we're always joking around and it's um, it, it brings life into the studio. We're in the home stretch here, but give the listeners the brief version of the Jerry Jean story as it relates to being born overseas and then what state you were raised in and when and why you then ended up in New York. Oh, sure. So I was born in Taipei, Taiwan, and I came to the United States when I was only one years old. Ah. So, yeah, my, my, my father got a job in the States and he, he moved us all in. Okay. And, um, okay. And, um, yeah, I was raised in the 80s and um, in New Jersey in a town called Parsippany. And when I went to college, I didn't go too far. I just went to New York City, went to NYU, and that was just a, an hour away. Um, but it it was the best fit for me. Um, it, it, I mean, you can find everything in the city, right? So I went there and um, got an apartment soon after. And ah, okay, so it was right away. Yeah, it was right away. I didn't, wow. I didn't, um, you know, live anywhere else after after college. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't go back to New Jersey uh, like like Mark Ensign did. <laughs> uh, listeners, I'm, I'm referring to the uh, conversation that I had with with Mark Ensign, which um, seems to be being referred to a lot since then, episode 174, um, where he did go. He went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston, and then went back home. Well, he went and performed on a cruise ship uh, for a year and a half or so, and then moved back home with his mom in New Jersey, but it but ended up in New York. And you're saying, no, I finished college and I stayed there in New York, didn't go back to New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, I just stayed, stayed in the city. First, um, first uh, apartment out of um, NYU was in Hell's Kitchen. Hmm. Uh, and then after that, I moved up to Harlem, and I'm, I've been in Harlem ever since. I, lo- I love Harlem. It's, 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 it's so dynamic, and it's it's not as crazy busy as as Midtown was. Midtown was 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 good when I you know it, it was exciting, but it wasn't um, it just wasn't sustainable for me. I, I love yeah. it. I like trees, trees and parks, and we got Central Park and Morningside Park up here. So and it's and it's kind of a honeymoon thing, right? In in Manhattan, where initially it looks good, and but then eventually you say, okay, oh yeah, that's like enough. when you're when you're twenty twenty two years old, um, you know. And you're living in this in the center of the universe. It's it, it's amazing, but um, you know all the drunk people coming home at night, and it it gets old after a while. I bet. So. I bet. Well, you're you're clearly having success, Jerry. The the accolades I mentioned from your three EPs, the music video getting over a million views on Facebook, working with big names like Brian Cook and, and Bob Ludwig, is the is the logical next step to take all that and put yourself into the hands of a record label or or some similar type of environment where you don't have to go the independent route anymore? I really like having control of everything. Um, that's just my personality. So I think I will stay independent and, you know, leverage the tools that are out here for independent artists. Hmm. Um, cause the tools that a record label has, uh, are not that much different now in the digital age. You know, they they just have the money and the and you know connections and clout. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think that the tides are shifting, and there's this kind of a new economy of of creators. I mean, you know, we're we're not like super famous creators, 
but um, we can sustain our art um, and get it and find our audience, you know, using the tools that are out there. I like it. I like it. We're going to close today with the title track from your new album and the song that you did the music video for that we talked about. So before we let you go, tell the listeners all about this song, please, called Do We Reach Home? Sure. Do We Reach, Do we reach Home is the title track of the album. is actually inspired by my parents. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, they emigrated to the States when I was a little kid, and they had to you know, navigate this this labyrinth of a whole new country and... Um, all the challenges that went with it, and um, and they had to basically create a new home, and so this song is about you know the search for home, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I, I, listeners, you know by now that I, I listen to these songs when the guests send them to me in advance, and, and I liked both songs that Jerry sent to me. But I'm glad that listeners that you're going to get to hear this song in its entirety, and obviously you're certainly encouraged to go and watch the video on Jerry's YouTube channel. Jerry, thanks ever so much. Been a really, really interesting discussion and and really enjoyed having you on. Thank you. Oh, it's been great. Thanks so much, Bruce. You better believe it. Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. Many, many thanks to my guest, songwriter, producer, and musician, Jerry Jean. Do visit his official website. It's www.jerryjean.com and then engage with him on social media. So that means like his Facebook page, follow him on Twitter and Instagram, subscribe to his YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. And of course, do purchase his music, ideally through jerryjean.com. Although, as I mentioned, it is also on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, and other online retailers. As I've already mentioned, Jerry's music can be heard streaming on Spotify and find it on SoundCloud as well. Don't forget to visit www.nhte.net and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio too, hopefully accompanied by a five-star rating. That really does help the show a lot. If you are listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and repost is how you share episodes there. And you can also follow on SoundCloud. Engage with the show too. Go to nhte.net and click on the icon to go join the Facebook group. You can also write in via the email address podcast at nhte.net. Get with us on the various social media platforms that you'll find links to at nhte.net. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Please also consider supporting the show with a donation through Patreon. There's a button at nhte.net for that. Check out the t-shirts and hats at nhte.net too. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out with another song by Jerry Jean. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Do We Reach Home? point of a mountain Tell me Will it be worth the blood Will it be worth the pain and tears to win it all tonight When do we reach home 
Don't wanna be on the sea. 